This is a Federal News Network podcast. It sounds simple. Diplomatic and military mail goes to a specially designated postal service center, and out it goes to diplomatic and military installations around the world. But the reality is a little messier, as we hear from Josh Bartson, Audit Manager for the USPS Office of Inspector General. Mr. Bartson, good to have you on. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Tom. You did an audit of mail delivery and some of the problems associated with it, specifically diplomatic and uh, military mail. Tell us, first of all, how this system is supposed to work. Well, um, as your introduction said, it sounds very simple. Um, however, it does get very complex, uh, just like any of these um, operations can do sometimes. The Postal Service and Department of Defense and Department of State all have responsibilities related to the handling and processing of this mail. So our report mainly focused on the outbound on mail in this segment. So that meant in a typical example, mail would get entered in at, if you put entered in at a post office or somebody picked it up from your mailbox, it would go through the initial parts of the Postal Service Processing Network, and then it would all get um, at some point transferred to the, a, Chicago, a facility in Chicago that handles all of the, or predominantly most of the outbound military mail and diplomatic mail. At that point, the staff in Chicago, the Postal Service staff, would organize it, sort it, and then assign its transportation and get it sent to its foreign location. At that point, whether it's Department of Defense or Department of State mail, folks in those countries um, would receive it and handle the final leg of delivery. Got it. And this facility in Chicago, the Chicago International Military Service Center, this is the place we're talking about in your report. That is correct. And what you found is that a lot of the mail that comes into that place doesn't quite get out very well or it gets delayed. What did you discover? Well, we found that there were some delays at the various legs of the operational network from even arriving to the the Chicago facility once it's processed within the Chicago facility, and then once it leaves the Chicago facility. So, again, the complexity of these operations didn't easily lend themselves to just one cause of the delays, um, where on in mail arriving to the facility, it may have been that the originating um, facility, let's just say in Bethesda, Maryland, was sending it, and there were some issues on tra- the transportation side there. It may have taken a little longer to get to Chicago than it had hoped. Um, then once it arrived in Chicago, there may have been some other mail that uh, was deemed um, more important that day or maybe some of the equipment was down that may have caused the delays in getting it out of the Chicago um, facility on time. And then there may have even been some other examples of where the mail was mislabeled, where it was supposed to be destined for country A, but instead it was sent to mistakenly sent to country B, which would cause some delays on the back end as well. Sounds like there is the opportunity there's greater opportunity in this mail delivery system for delays than there is in the regular mail system just for the continental United States. A tricky part of this type of mail is at some point it leaves the hands of the Postal Service and it gets uh, it, it gets sent overseas and that at that point the Postal Service obviously loses control of it where it, it's assigned with, with the responsibility of somebody else. So that does make it definitely a little more challenging. And with respect to the Chicago Center, the USPS facility that where all of this was consolidated a number of years ago, you did find issues with Postal Service with respect to delays there, such as, uh, well, people failing to do the sorting on time and acceptance issues. What are some of the things that were happening in the Chicago Center that you found? Correct. Well, there were there were some issues within the center of, of just delays in, in, in moving the mail throughout the center, either that um, it, w- it was not getting pr- processed as quickly 
or that it was getting um, it was getting mislabeled, um, or it was not getting unloaded from the trucks as as quickly. Um, those are just some examples. And again, those delays, due to the complexity of those operations, those delays can occur at various points, and there's just not one pain point um, in the network. And that was one of the challenges that we had found while performing this project was that it, there was not there was not a, a a panacea, there was not a single answer that would address all these deliveries. It was kind of a culmination of things. But again, that it ha it's very typical with complex mailing operations as this. Um, but again, there's without a doubt, you can obviously see from our report that we had recommendations for improvement, um, you know, particularly on the delayed and the damaged mail. Sure. We're speaking with Joshua Barton. He's audit manager for the Office of Inspector General at the U.S. Postal Service. And I wanted to ask you, before we get to the recommendations, you also found that in some cases, packages that contained items were, along with letters, dropped eight feet into, you know, from one bin to another and that there was some regular damage of goods. What about that? Correct. There were we definitely found some instances of, of damaged mail and and one of the one of the complexities of, of a operational network of of a of a package and mailing structure is that, you know, there's equipment and there's chutes where mail has to get sorted. And the the one the one complexity in this area is that there's two operations. One is that hopefully the heavy mail would be not allowed on the equipment that would drop at eight feet, but sometimes some of those pieces get through. And and when those instances, when they do fall, you know, eight feet from uh, from the top of the conveyor belt to the bottom of a container, there there can be quite a loud noise. This mail and these deliveries to military installations and to diplomatic installations, how critical is it? Because I imagine if there's crucial communications that have to happen between the United States, some place, and one of the outposts of the nation. That would be electronic in the first place, and this would be more routine or less time-sensitive materials. A lot of it is all in the eye of the customer who's sending the mail piece. And if um, you know, if a family is sending a a care package to a military family member overseas, you know, I, they do want it to get there on time. So it all, it it is a valued stream of mail. There is no doubt. And one of the things that we looked at. Um, during our audit work was we collect we tried to collect some cu customer sentiment by hosting a, a public blog and we actually received hundreds and hundreds of replies to it so because customers and family members are so interested in it and it was you could really get a sense from those who replied who even though if, if they did have an issue about a delayed or a damaged piece everyone was very appreciative of the service that that's provided both by the postal service and the military and diplomatic departments Sure. And one question I had was the fact that all of the numbers, like the percentages or numbers of parcels and pieces of mail delayed and so on, were all redacted from the report. Why was that? Well, Tom, th those were decisions made by our um, FOIA staff about uh, the commercially sensitive nature of those numbers. So that was just, uh, again, one of their decisions, and, and we try to follow those when, they, when those recommendations get made to us. And for your recommendations to the Postal Service, what are the chief ones? We had four in the report. Two of them focused on the delays that you were referring to. One was just providing better oversight of the operations um, in, of the mail going to, processed within, and leaving the Chicago facility that you referred to. Um, the second part was a, a recommendation aimed at the ability to kind of track and monitor packages a little more. Um, it's called nesting. It's where you, you put packages in a bigger container, but then you link the packages to the individual container. It just allows more visibility into the performance and how quickly packages are moving through through a system. Um, the third recommendation talked about the, the damaged mail of what you just referred to, just providing a little better oversight 
of the of the operations of being able to try to preemptively remove the mail pieces from the equipment that may drop at eight feet, or even just kind of adjusting the equipment to, to lessen the blow on some of those pieces. And then the fourth one was um, just to update some key administrative documents related to military and diplomatic mail operations. So in the meantime, people sending a fruitcake to someone overseas at Christmas time, make sure it's really wrapped in a stiff box. That would help and give, and give plenty of time to get it sent over. Josh Barton is Audit Manager for the Office of Inspector General at the U.S. Postal Service. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Tom. We'll post this interview along with a link to his report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online.